Turn your Bibles over to John chapter 13. Uh, we will continue there. The teens did an amazing job last Sunday. Um, it was great to have them. Is this thing working? Okay, we're all good. Uh, so, so it was great to have them lead that and to preach the word, and hopefully none of us falls into the sin of silence, which is what was preached about last week. Um, so we're going we're gonna to continue back in John chapter 13. And uh, two weeks ago, Javier did a fantastic job uh, sharing with us about Jesus the servant, that we need a servant king, and Jesus is that perfect servant. Uh, you know, in, the, in that first half of, of John 13, he, 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 he got down and washed the feet of his disciples. Uh, what an amazing, can you imagine what the scene must have been like? Uh, how, how he, uh, if you, who here has ever participated in a feet washing ceremony? Uh, anybody? There's a few of us that have. Uh, I know some did it for their Bible talk. I, I know they did it at church that Sunday. They, uh, in, in one of our regions in the south, uh, they did this feet washing ceremony. And, and one of the women that uh, had her feet washed uh, told the brother that, that washed her feet that she had never really been able to connect to Jesus and what he had done, that personal connection, that personal sacrifice, until he washed her feet. And it brought her to tears, but it but what it did is it propelled her in her understanding of Jesus and how how what an intimate connection that made. Uh, you 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 can imagine the tears that must have been in the in the eyes of these of these men whenever they whenever they experienced uh, making the, Jesus touching every uh, every nasty foot. Uh, the, can you imagine, you know, cleaning in between his, the toes of some of these fellas? That, that'd be pretty, pretty, that's not necessarily the picture we want to walk away with, but, but that's real. That's what happened. And Jesus looking into the eyes of each of them, and maybe most notably, that he did that with Judas, who was about to betray him. And, and how, how no, it's amazing to me, no one knew I'm going to talk in just a minute because Jesus didn't treat Judas any different than anybody else. And today our text is going to be picking up in the midst of Jesus' discourse after, after he had uh, washed their feet and then he, uh, he, he uh, put, uh, puts his, his outer garment back on and sits down and, continue, and begins to teach. And I'm going to pick up in verse 18 of this teaching. Jesus, in, in, in verse 17, he says, Now that, um, in verse 16, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am He. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After He had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them He meant. One of them the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. 
Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one, on the, uh, 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 no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had, ch- had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I now tell you where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, you will really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Let's pray together. Father, it is uh, amazing to see what Jesus has to go through and what people's experience during this time. More than that, we are amazed that we are given the opportunity to respond to what you teach us through your word. Thank you so much, Father, for this opportunity to be together. I pray that our hearts are moved, are encouraged, and even inspired to want to do greater and greater things for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Who here has ever been disappointed or betrayed by someone at some point in your lives? We've all been at some point, and hopefully you're not nudging the person next to you because that's not very nice, but but we've, we've all had disappointments. You know, Jesus, uh, it says in, in, at the beginning of verse of John 13 that Jesus, in doing this, in, in washing their feet, that he was showing them the full extent of his love. It, it literally means he loved them to the end. Jesus did the most and loved the most, yet what we read in this text is betrayal after betrayal. What would come just hours later from this that we'll be talking about over the next many weeks is betrayal after betrayal. In verse 18, Jesus quotes Psalm 41 in verse 9. And it says, Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Here, this psalm is a quote, is, is, is very likely David uh, is referring to Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's counselor and a diplomatic advisor. You can go and study about him in 2 Samuel chapter 15, 17. It was a time in the nation of Israel when when Absalom uh, conspired to basically get the nation to as king, and David fled. Ahithophel, who was David's advisor, 
before this happened, became Absalom's advisor. And the things that he advised Absalom were to do were awful. The way that he was actually to, on public play, his immorality and, and, and his, his mess as leader taking David's place was terrible. And it was all at the direction of Ahithophel. And, 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 and uh, in, in 2 Samuel uh, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 23, it says, Now in those days the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed both by David and by Absalom. That's how special this guy was. And now what this is, what this text back in John is, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a prophecy by parallelism. Because what happened in Ahithophel's life was in chapter uh, 17, verse 23, was Ahithophel, oh, we're not going to do what he says, we're going to do what somebody else says. He went back home, put his affairs in order, and hanged himself. Which if you know the story of Judas betrays Jesus, he goes and he throws the money back into the temple and he hangs himself, which is very, very sad. But it's this prophecy by parallelism. And in verse 19, he's talking, Jesus is talking about the betrayal by Judas. You know, he, he didn't give any names. Uh, no one knew who it was going to be. In the Matthew account of this same story, even Judas says, is it, is it me, Father? Incredibly. There was no difference in how Jesus treated Judas. Jesus' goal was that the people would believe in him, that his disciples would believe in him. And he actually says that through this betrayal and through my prediction, through this prophecy that I'm giving, once it's done, you'll believe. Betrayal help them to have greater faith. In verse 21, it says, Jesus is troubled in spirit by Judas. This troubled in spirit is, is literally shuddering. And troubled, is, it's the same word used in John 11, verse 33, as Jesus stood beside, by, Jesus, by Lazarus' grave and wept. It's that kind of trouble. It's also the same term used in John chapter 12, and verse 27, as Jesus thought about the coming dread of the cross and said, now my heart is troubled in his inner being. That's how he was. Judas was about to do. Uh, uh, R. Kent Hughes, who is a very well-known writer, writes about Judas. Judas was as perfect an actor, as accomplished a hypocrite as one can find. Theologians surmise that he was a man of more education and higher social standing than the rest of the apostles. He was not from Galilee, but from Kerioth, a much better address. Dr. Ironside said Judas was the real gentleman of all the teachers. He had class compared to the rest. Hey, Judas would wear a Brooks Brothers suit and a Madison Avenue smile. He would know all the right hymns, when to sit down, when to stand up, when to inject the perfect persuasive cliché, how to ingratiate himself with the power leaders of the church, no one would suspect him of being a traitor. And they did not then either. Judas had become. A poem I read about Jesus' troubled heart, uh, yet loving heart toward Judas. 
Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullest, in its fullness over me. Jesus was troubled over the soul of the one who was going to betray him. Betrayal is continued in verse 36 to 39. Peter, Peter, of course, as he always does, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth is often how he's referred uh, whenever people write about him because he always seemed to be chewing on his toes whenever he spoke up and spoke out of turn. Uh, in Luke chapter 22, uh, we, whenever Peter made the statement, I'm gonna, uh, I, I, you know, I won't do it, and Jesus says, you, you don't know what you're saying. By the time the rooster crows three times, you will. Turn over to Luke chapter 22. Let's see how that betrayal is fulfilled. In Luke chapter 22, in verse 54. It says in verse 54, Then seizing him, they led him away, took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this man was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Jesus looked at him when it happened. He made eye contact. When Jesus fulfilled this prophecy of betrayal, it's exactly what happened. It's just, it's a little when we when we hear about betrayal after betrayal, it's not very encouraging. I don't know about you studying it; it wasn't very encouraging. It actually makes me think about my own betrayal, ways that I know I've hurt God. This week on Facebook, uh, I have a friend that was in my boot camp company. and We were in school together in 1992. And, uh, and this picture came up on my Facebook feed. Now, I've cropped this picture because it's not necessary to show the part that I, I actually removed it from my wall after my wife helped me figure out how. But, but I'm... I've, I've, to the guy taking the picture, there's a hand gesture that I'm making. Not far from this spot. I, I don't have any memory of this, by the way. Uh, but but what I can tell you is that by on the at the headboard of every bed I had in the Navy in the barracks um, was my Bible. And yet here I am betraying Jesus. And 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 it's you know twenty later it's brought back to my memory through social media it's betrayal is something real and it's overwhelming 
and it makes me think back and, and it makes me so grateful for what God has done in my life, how he's, how he's worked in my life, but it also humbles me to think, man, what would I be without Jesus? Maybe you're sitting there considering ways in which you know you feel like you've let God down in one way or another. Or you've denied Christ when things got difficult, as Peter would do. I know through my own silence, I know I've denied Jesus many times over in my lifetime. As a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, I've done it. Betrayal. It is real. So what do we do? What do we do when we feel the heaviness? Well, this text actually gives us shows us, though we don't see it in the English, we actually get to see what Jesus' point was in the whole text. Go back to our text for a minute in John 13. I don't know, many of if you've been around a little while, you've heard of, you know what a chiasm is? Some of you know what a chiasm is? It's a, yeah, if you're listening to Bema, there's a podcast many of the disciples, of the, the uh, members listen to called Bema. It's a, it's a helpful podcast, got some interesting things, but he talks a lot about chiasms. It was a literary tool used. I'm not an English guy, okay, so I had to study this. I didn't study it. I just looked it up, and I, I, had, to, I had to look up how to spell it. I didn't even know how to spell it. Uh, but, but a chiasm is basically this literary tool where it's, it's A, B, C, C, B, A. It's basically the, the outer information is the same, and then the next information is the same, and the, the point of the story is in the middle. And in this text, the outer, the bookends, if you will, are the betrayal. He's in 18 to 30, he's talking about the betrayal that, uh, that Judas is going to do. And in verse 37, 38, he's talking about the betrayal that Peter's going to do. And then the letter B here is, in verse 33, he says, you cannot come. In verse 36, he says, you cannot follow me now. But let's look at the middle in verse 34. This is the center. This is what the point is of the passage. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus doesn't, uh, Jesus doesn't and I don't believe John does, want us to focus on the betrayal. Because in our nature, that's what we will do. We will focus on how messed up we are, and how, how sad we are, and how disappointing we are, or we think we are to God, and we'll miss the whole point. Let's be honest. How many of you have read this passage and thought, I've read that a thousand times. Come on, how many of us have read that passage and thought, okay, yeah, thank, let's share another passage about love, because you share this one every single time. No, this is the central point. It's not the fact that you've betrayed Jesus, because we all have, but that that betrayal can be overcome because of our love for each other. I have one simple point for us today. Just as he loved us. How do I do it? That's how. Just as Jesus loved you. Just as Jesus loved me. How do you do it? You get in your Bible and you figure out how did Jesus do it? He did it full of faith. He did it full of joy. He did it to the extent 
that when the greatest hypocrite was among him, he was able to love him so equally that it was never even suspected who Judas was and what Judas what, what he was about to do. Jesus had showed love like never before in washing their feet. It wasn't their first foot washing, but it was their first foot washing by a rabbi. This was the guy who they had looked up to for three years, and now he's doing this. He loved Judas even though he was about to betray him. That's how to love. Loving our enemy in the culture at that time to take a morsel of bread dip it in a common dish and offer it to someone else was a gesture of special friendship. In, in, we see it in Ruth chapter 2 in verse 14. And, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. Go and study Ruth. It's such a special story between Ruth and Boaz. But that's the intimacy that Jesus loved to that extent. Jesus was reaching out to Judas. He was saying, Judas, here is my friendship. Here is restoration. Judas, here is my heart. All you have to do is take it, old friend. Will you take it? But this door had slammed shut. And as I said before in Matthew 26, even Judas said, surely not I, Rabbi, and then Jesus responds, yes, it is you. Though John doesn't record that part. He does tell him he is the one. Jesus called this a new command. And surely whenever we read about love, we think, well, we're called to, isn't the first and greatest commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? We, many of you know that passage. Uh, maybe you could even quote it. But you see, the Jews had gotten around that passage. And they had chosen to love or hate who they chose and justified it by saying, well, at least I love God. And I'll love my neighbor because their neighbor was just another Jewish person who looked just like them, who wore the robe, who was, who was a, a peer. It wasn't hard to love that person. The person that's hard to love is a person that's opposite of you, different than you, looks different than you, Sounds different than you. Came from different backgrounds, different countries, different areas of the country. Completely different. And yet, that's the love that Jesus calls us to. That is the neighbor you're called to love. This new command is new because of the not the love itself, but the object of the love. The object of our love is one another. Yes, love God. But loving one another so that the world may know that you are truly following Jesus. That's the whole point. Jesus shows us again, what is he all about? His greatest desire is that the lost be saved. And he, re he knows that if he, doesn't, if he doesn't help us to stay focused on loving one another, that we won't have any hope of helping anyone. We are lost. We don't have a chance. Jesus changed the object from neighbor to one another. The world at that time was opposed to each other so badly that it makes many of our differences look minor in comparison. 
master and slave, Jew and Gentile, and so on. The Greeks thought of the Jews as barbarians. The Jews had the reputation of being haters of the world. There was also a major gap between men and women. The world seemed helplessly alienated. But Christ's love and Christ's call to love one another would turn the world upside down. Another writer wrote this. Barbarian, Scythian, bond and free male and female, Jew, Greek, learned and ignorant, set down at one table, themselves all one in Christ Jesus. Other bonds and to yield to the uniting forces that streamed out from the cross. There never had been anything like it. No wonder that the world began to babble about sorcery and conspiracy. It was only that the disciples were obeying and a new thing had come into the world, a community held together by love and not by geographical accidents or linguistic affinities or the iron fetters of the concrete commandment made. That's what it's supposed to be like in the kingdom of God. All this because of the love of one man. Because of the love of Christ. How he changed each of us, how he changed me. I grew up in South Texas. To my shame, I was a racist. I was opposed to anyone that didn't look like me. And I wasn't ashamed of it at that time. I look back, and I am ashamed. And it's, it's who I used to be, and praise God, he changed me from the inside out. Praise God, I can hug. I don't care where you're from. I love you all. It doesn't matter to me anymore. It hasn't for 23 years and some change. I was baptized in, in June of, of, of 1993, and, and it's been ever since. My best friends come from all over the place. And I praise God for that. I praise God that even the fact that my family has changed so much, uh, which, is, which, is, which is miraculous, really. But, 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 but how God has worked. Uh, I know many of us were able to go to the Troas night a couple Fridays ago. Uh, it was a time where we just focused on unity. Uh, the focus really was um, there's there's many different challenges that we have uh, in the in the world that 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 bring division, uh, racial and otherwise. Uh, this particular discussion was about helping helping uh, those that are not uh, African American to be able to understand and relate. Uh, not, not obviously, not. I, yeah, not. I don't. I don't know exactly how. You can go and watch it. Actually, it's all videos. It's all. It's all online. It's all available to you. It was. It was fantastic. Now I'm. I'm one perspective, uh, but it was. It was eye opening for me. I. I was so moved and felt so. So uh, sorry to hear. Maybe that's the wrong word, but felt so hurt to hear that. Families raising their young children that are black have to teach their children to how to behave when they get stopped by a police officer. It's never even something I had to think about. I've never talked to my sons about that. How unfair. Because of all that's gone on. But what's amazing is Jesus Though we come from all, Jesus brings us all together. And we need to understand each other. 
If I've ever said a hurtful thing, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I had nothing to do with, but you feel. If you've ever felt that hurt. And maybe I'm making it worse even talking about it now. But I, but I just want you, I just, I, I just, I'm amazed by how Jesus brings together. Jesus heals. I read one thing that talked about how a rope that's broken is stronger when it's knitted back together, not because of its knitting back together, but by the hands that do it. It's a very interesting thought. But that's, that's how God works. It's God's hands. It's God reaching out and changing our lives and making us stronger together than we are on our own. We need to love one another as Jesus loved us. We need to speak up. We need to help each other. We need to speak the truth in love. Not afraid to call out, call sin, sin. If you see it, say it. Do it in love. Do it full of gentleness and kindness. But say it. Stop being silent. Serve one another. Serve the lost. Lay down your life for your friends. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. It matters for the sake of the world. Your unity matters. We're going to be talking a lot more about that. Uh, John 17 is all about that. But, it, but, it's, but it's only because of the love of Christ that, that I was treated with such love as a brand new Christian. Perfect strangers taking me and my little girl who was not even two years old in and to sleep on their floor. I was down in Florida for, for eight weeks. I was in school in Kings Bay, Georgia, and I was going to church in Jacksonville about 45 minutes. And Alexa was turning two that time. Alexa is my daughter and son-in-law are in the, in the church. She was up here earlier singing. And, uh, and she was two at that. She was turning two. And some couple that I had never met before said, yeah, come stay in my house. And, and actually, she was turning two. We'll throw her a birthday party. Complete strangers. Full of gifts. A, a Winnie the Pooh cake. She doesn't have any memory of that. But, but, but they, only because of the love of Christ. What can you do because of the love of Christ? How can you help because of the love of Christ? Not sure how? Go read your Bible. Study Jesus. Because he shows us exactly how. Willingly, wholeheartedly, full of kindness, full of compassion. We don't need to be overcome by the betrayal because of the love Jesus has shown to us and because of the love that we have the opportunity to show one another. If you aren't yet following Jesus and are a little confused by this level of loving one another and you're wondering still, why do they keep hugging each other? And, and why, why are they so close? And, and I'm a little uncomfortable with that singing. You know what? Come and sit down with us and study the Bible. Because if you, you, you haven't seen anything yet, wait till Jesus changes your life. And then you're the one, hey, 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 how you doing? You won't even remember the times when you didn't hug. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you and even challenge you to ask someone else how you're doing. Don't ask yourself, because you'll either be too hard on yourself, or you'll be too soft on yourself. 
And you need somebody that's going to tell you the truth. And then you need to work with that person to help you love more deeply. Ask someone you trust. And listen closely to the truth. And then get in your Bible and imitate Jesus and what he did to show love to everyone. This is what I believe we all want this ministry to look like. A place that people, when they look at it, say, man, they must be followers of Jesus because of how they love one another. Let's live that way. Amen, church. Let's all stand and sing.